Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the, I guess that's why they call it the Elton John podcast podcast. Today's episode is another one of those pinch yourself, is it really true moments, an interview with Elton's art director for his classic era albums, David Larkham. Um, I won't gabble too much here. I'll drop you straight into the interview. Um, You'll find me in the middle of an introduction. I'm explaining that I love music all the more when I get to hold it in my hands rather than just streaming it. Anyone who loves collecting music, particularly vinyl, will understand that listening to the songs from an album or random songs on Spotify, for that matter, can be a bit of a two-dimensional affair. And what gives the records depth and what helps helps them lodge in your head is the sleeve. It's the whole package. Holding it in your hand and giving it a sniff, dare I say. It's the textured covers, reading the run-out groove, the credits, the lyrics, over and over again. And for Elton fans, particularly for fans of his classic era albums, that experience is a really, really rich one. And there's one man that we've got to thank for that. It's the man that's come onto the podcast today, David Larkham. You were the art director for all of those albums, starting off with Empty Sky, going all the way up to Rock of the Westies in 1975. David, welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And uh, it's a pleasure to respond. <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing these days? You're back in the UK, having lived for some time in LA. Did you stay in LA? In in Los Angeles and uh, uh, up the coast in Ventura. So I was in California for some 12 years. But I've been back here since about, uh, oh, 1982 now. I, I did come back for what I thought would be a six-month visit in England, but I'm still here many years later. I do a bit of uh, design work and a bit of illustration work uh, but mostly I'm uh, a painter these days, a oh, portrait and that kind of thing. So, Yeah, you. I saw that you did the commission for the Keith Haywood book, for the first book, um, which was a beautiful thing for Elton John fans. Um, and I think there was a poster that came out with the second book, wasn't there? There was. Uh, Keith wanted to use a, uh, the poster really as the book jacket, but the publisher went ahead and did his own thing. And, and yes, very much did their own thing, didn't they? It was a book cover thing. that um, no one uh, liked very much. No, I, I can't see what they were going for there. It reminds me a little bit, as far as being an aberration goes, of the Friends album cover, which was another thing that happened to your career from externally, isn't it? Yes, um, I believe that... Uh, uh, Elton and his creative manager, Steve Brown, said to the film people, we have our own art director who um, would like to do the album cover. But the film company said, oh, no, no, no. We're very good at that kind of thing. They're just used to doing things their own way. <laughs> Leave it to us. Yes, exactly. What would you have done, do you think, David? Oh, that's a very abstract question. But did you have some thoughts within the team? No, no. No, you no. didn't. No, once uh, I knew I wasn't involved, it's a waste of time thinking about it. Yeah, you had enough to be worrying about because the albums were coming thick and fast in those days, weren't they? <laughs> Tell me about it, yeah. <laughs> I think listeners of the podcast, if they're anything like me, are sound-based people and they probably aren't 
graphic designers or people that compile images for publication in the way that you are. So I wondered if you could, without going into an awful lot of detail, mainly because it must be very tedious for you, give us a sense of what's involved in the role, please. Uh, generally, in those days, um, I worked very closely with Benny Torpin. So um, I would have first sight of all the lyrics involved. Mm. Um, Bernie, it was, who would sometimes use a phrase, for instance, came up with the uh, words tumbleweed connection, yes. which suggested the whole uh, train and um, sepia-tinged Americana Old West imagery. Yes. So... Uh, it's listening to the music, studying the uh, lyrics. Sometimes Elton might have an idea. Uh, sometimes creative director. Sometimes people would throw ideas in. But usually uh, you wake up and think, hey, this is the way to go. Yes. So yeah, it's about hold holding a load of uh, connections in your address book as well, isn't it? It's about knowing a lot of people sometimes. To a great extent, yeah. Working with familiar people. Uh, I worked a lot with the photographer, Ed Carruth, mm. who uh, obviously Elton and Bernie and band got to know very well. Yeah, and that I... makes it easier because it, there's a, it establishes a rapport. Similarly with the photographer, Terry O'Neill, who worked on a lot of the album covers. Yeah, he did the uh, Rock of the Westies cover, didn't he? Rock of the Westies, yeah. I was going to ask you about Ed, Ed a little bit later on. Any listener to this podcast that really has listened way too deeply will realise that I'm constantly trying to make Captain Beefheart connections. Right. Not for any particular good reason, but there's a fantastically strong one here, isn't there? there he is, took the yes. cover of, of uh, Trout Mask Replica. And obviously, Trout Mask Replica, yeah, yeah. And worked alongside Zappa Loads. What a great connection that is. Yes, exactly. Did you meet him for the first time at the Troubadour gigs? Um, yes, properly. He did come over, Ed Carroll did come over to England with... Three Dog Night, who had already recorded oh. some Elton and Bernie songs. Yes. Um, and w we just nodded acquaintance in DJM Records building in London. Yes. Uh, but uh, we uh, sort of re-met properly at the Troubadour gig, and that was the beginning of a great friendship that continues even today. What sort of a character was he back then and what do you what sort of a character do you have to be to be one of these photographers in rock and roll for the kind of thing that he was doing a lot of the live photographers uh but uh, ed also is creative and likes doing album cover setups and so on so mm. you do have to be very organized and quite bossy <laughs> and anyone who knows ed Carroll will know that he's quite bossy <laughs> but but he could take art direction which is why on Elton stuff I could certainly boss him around if and when necessary. Ed and I had a, a rapport that continues nicely. <laughs> That's lovely. Can I go back a little bit then please? Yeah, so sure. I, I, I'm going to hopefully go a little bit chronologically I don't want to take up too much of your time but really tantalizing is the fact that back in 
69, I suppose it would be, maybe even late 68. You, you were a friend of Steve Brown's. Had you worked with him on, a, on another project before he came to DJM? No, Steve Brown and I grew up as uh, teenagers together. Then I moved to Liverpool for a while, then was back in London. So I knew Steve and his family. Um, I think his sister was one of my first girlfriends, oh. that kind of thing. Okay. So we knew of each other and we were pals, basically. Oh, lovely. Okay. When he needed, he phoned me. Uh, I used to work for the Evening Standard, uh, graphic designer. He phoned me and he said he had a couple of uh, unknown songwriters and he needed some photographs. So that was the beginning of all of that. And I I think you've been involved in Sleep. I've got it written somewhere. Uh, did you do the Norman Greenbaum album before? That's right. Yeah. I don't know if it was before okay. or after. All right, yeah. I think, it might have been after. Yeah, it makes sense for it to be after from what you're describing there. Yes. So you took pictures, and re I think recently on ElmJohn.com they shared an outtake of one of your photographs from the Empty Sky session. Uh, yes, it's being used. They have timelines. Yes. Uh, the 60s, the 70s, and there's a couple of shots as the intro. For um, the 60s. For the 60s, and one of those shots... Uh, is mine. Yes, I took a whole roll of film. We knew what we wanted to do with a sort of sky in the background. Yes. We were all a bit naive then. That was the album itself. Yeah, I think the, the, the naivety of the image definitely matches the naivety of the music yes. inside. And, yes, and as immediately, almost immediately after that, it was a sharp learning curve, both musically and... Um, album cover wise you've got a lot for empty sky you've got a gatefold sleeve textured cover all the lyrics yeah well uh steve had a lot of influence saying yeah. look if we're going to treat this person um with the deference that is due to his talent then uh, we should go big time and not uh not make anything look cheap you know no. so uh although it did get some abuse didn't it i think there was a comment that it was i couldn't believe it was going to be as bad as the record design that was in the captain fantastic scraps book that was a review from somewhere or other uh yeah probably it's not something i've seen i, I, I vaguely remember that. i think anyway i'm i i think it's a lovely design it's perfect for yeah well, <laughs> we're, I'd say, uh, we're all a bit naive then, yeah. but, uh, i said sharp learning curve from there onto the um, Elton John album. Yeah, just going back very briefly, you, you, so you and Bernie and particularly Steve and Elton, you spent a lot of time around Steve's house, didn't you? We did, yes. You, you were a bit of a gang. I mean, that sounds uh, like yes. you're going around roughing up old ladies, it, but I'm sure it, you weren't. Indeed, well, for Elton, Bernie and myself, we were like the lost kids from Peter Pan. And uh, Steve Brown and his wife would invite us down to their house in the country yeah. at weekends, you know. And you'd get a proper meal. Not every weekend. Uh, yeah, we'd get a proper meal and we'd do things like uh, go out for country walks, play football, play tennis. Inevitably, yes. Elton would win. Uh, we'd <laughs> go to the pub. We'd go to uh, fish and chips. Yeah. 
go to the cinema together, that kind of thing. And so, listen to records oh, and, as well? And Yes, exactly. Uh, we'd, on the Friday, uh, go to Musicland in Soho, where uh, we could pick up U.S. imports. Mm. And um, those were treasured to take down uh, new records to listen to over a weekend at um, Steve and Jill's house. Oh, it sounds like fantastic memories. It must it be. Was, yeah. I, I imagine listening to things like that David Ackles album for the first time must have been an exactly, incredible yes. moment. And, and uh, Leonard Cohen's first album. Yes. I distinctly remember us. And you can see where the to that. where the image for the uh, Empty Sky album came from when you're listening to that music. You can see why the album ended up sounding and looking like it did. Yeah, I, I think so. Yes. Um, so for the. I'm confused about the Elton John album because it says photography by Stoll Stanford. Yes, this was two people, Roger Stoll mm -hmm. and someone Stanford. It was Roger who did the photography, but their company was called Stoll Stanford. Okay. Stuart Epps has gone on record as saying this, the best photographer of the day, Daily ba David Bailey was hired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Stuart called me a few months ago to say, am I right in thinking that David Bailey shot ah, that? And okay. I said, no, Stuart, you are not. <laughs> um, we did we did do a session with David Bailey. Yes. Um, but it was n nothing there that we particularly used. I can't. Because uh, so we David to... Bailey took that incredible image of Belton for the Victim of Love album, didn't he? I think that's a really, it's a really great photo of him. But it's the best thing about that album by a long way. Um, do, do you know, after our, um, my involvement started to peter out in the late 70s kind of thing, mm -hmm. although I did come back, uh, when I in England, I did do Ice on Fire. Oh, did you? Oh, I'd, I'd, missed, I'd missed that credit. I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you did actually have some pictures with David Bailey. What, what, it would be lovely to see. what, But what, they, you didn't deem them particularly usable at the time. Uh, I think we thought they were irrelevant or they were perhaps used for press photos or um, I can't remember. No, I can't. Re I know that we did some shots, but yeah. um, I can't really remember what they were eventually used for. And having not seen a lot around, I think he probably kept hold of the copyrights and people thought, well, uh, maybe if he was asked uh, if shots could be used for tour souvenir programs or merchandise, uh, probably the price was too pricey. Yes, to see what I'm for saying. what they were. So, yeah. yeah, so people would say, no, no, we won't bother with that. No, I could see how that would happen. Um, there's a lot of ego involved in the end, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, but it's a wonderful cover. It's not laminated in any way, the paper, so it hasn't held up very well to the ravages of time, the Elton John album. Um, it was that uh, very textured uh, yeah. board, wasn't it? Yes. Board. I think that was may have been a, a sort of Elton and Steve choice, having just seen the American import of Crosby, Stills, Nash, Yes. which was also a matte textured board. So it may have been that. Elton said, oh, that's nice. Let's try something like that. And you've got this really gothic feel to the cover. It's like the Randy Newman, but it's like Randy Newman with the contrast turned all the way up, isn't it? Yes. Well, the whole mood of the album with Paul Buckmaster's strings and so on is very serious, 
uh, mood to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And hence, for me, that suggested a, a, a serious, um, almost uh, Rembrandt was my inspiration. If you yeah. know anything of Rembrandt's yes. self-portraits, yes. then you can see that in the Elton John album cover. Yeah, and the texture of the, the skin, of it's, it's come across there. I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so presumably, because that album was planned extensively and recorded at fairly lightning pace, would you have been in conversation around the you know when Steve and Paul and Gus and Elton and Bernie were together planning the album? Were, were you around in those conversations? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would go to a Trident recording studio for some of the recording sessions. Um and Gus was quite clever on some of them in that he'd um, um, do one take of the strings and then he'd say, right, let's uh, take that again um, uh, just to see if we can do a better version. And what it would then do is join, marry the two recordings together to make it sound as though it were an orchestra of like 60 people as opposed to 30 people. So how? So that must have been with Paul conducting it with headphones on, so it's to that's stay right, in time. Yeah. Crikey, yeah, man, that's absolute right, yeah. ordeal that must have been for him. I can imagine that being quite hard because some of these things are very freeform in their timings. Yeah, but Buckmaster is one of those cool guys who very much on top of um, his game. So yes. um, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He's a bit like an Ed Carroll and was quite bossy with it. Yeah, these are formidable characters that you were surrounded by. <laughs> Tell me about it. So you have to kind of up your uh, game in terms of your, no, it will be like this and you will do that. Is that part of your character as well sometimes or do you have to play that role? Um, no, that's part of my character and I think this is why I haven't worked with just Elton. I mean, I have worked with people like Paul McCartney, Brian Ferry, Neil Diamond, Steely Dan. You're not going to do that as a shrinking violet, are you? No, exactly. And also the reason that you're employed is not just because they respect the work that you're doing, but they can get honest replies from you Mm. as opposed to, say, record company people who are generally yes-men. So uh, it takes strength to say, someone like Neil Diamond when he comes up with an idea it takes strength to say well I think that's a load of bollocks really (laughs) yeah the thing about that Elton John album is that the way it looked and the way it sounded of course but definitely the way it looked helped completely confound the music press in America when they came to see the whole package later on in the year did you get a sense of satisfaction for being part of that bait-and-switch type thing that went on there? Um, yes, it wasn't anything conscious on my part. You were just doing the, the right package for, for the music that was there. Yes. But, yeah. the, but the effect in the end was, it, it really helped to cement him in the, in the consciousness, didn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And also, it's your image there on the cover of 171170, to skip out Tumbleweed for a moment, which... I think it's one of the, well, is the iconic image of Elton live in the three-piece, just to him, obviously, but you, it, there's so much energy there in just that one line. 
what an achievement that picture is. Well, the whole thing, it was, uh, we wanted to give a sort of bootleg kind of feel, mm. hence the um, just sheer black and whiteness of it. Uh, so that simplicity, yeah. Yeah, you wanted to out-bootleg the bootleggers, really, to yeah, give them yeah. a package that was even better than what they were coming up with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you actually do any, I mean, all were, I'm sure you did do quite a lot of post-production on all sorts of images, but with that one, did you actually get your paintbrush out? Because the way the outline works is so perfect, it's almost too perfect for me. No, I wouldn't have been clever enough to um, <laughs> apply the paintbrush to it. So it is that's what a, it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Unbelievable. And you've got, I presume, hundreds of photographs, or someone has them, of, the, of, of what you took when you went out in August 1970. Yeah, do you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow up on this, but uh, DJM Records used a photographic lab to process all, all the black and white stuff and the colour stuff, mm. and then everything was kept in this lab's archives, and then the press office at DJM could phone up and say, can we have a 10 by 8 print of blah, 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 etc. Yeah. Um, and then a f number of years ago, I thought, hey, I must get back my uh, negatives yes. from this DJM archive because I was self-employed then most of the time. Uh, so they're my copyright. And you weren't exactly, you weren't contracted to, DJ, you, you weren't given, you weren't on a retainer with DJM. Not, not until, uh, I, I didn't become an employee mm. of DJM until um, just around about the beginning of doing the packaging for Madman Across the Water. Okay. Um, but anyway, I then, a few years ago, found out that due to uh, digital imagery, etc., Sky Photograph, Sky Photo Labs uh, had gone out of business. So it would seem that all they did was tip all the negatives into a, into a skip outside. Uh. And, uh, but I'm still trying to find the, the oh. owners of Sky Photo Lab to see if maybe they've archived them and put them in a... I mean, uh, if that's your job, a lockup, and you love imagery, which presumably you do, you could, who could do such a thing? Well, I mean, we DJM wasn't their only client. No. There must have been lo lots of yeah. other similar yes. uh, places and um, advertising oh, well, good luck agencies. with that, David. That's that's yeah. faintly heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just that. I, mean, uh, I did part of the photography of it tumbleweed shoot, um, live photography and stuff of Elton at uh, Royal Festival Hall in mm. 1971, uh, Elton at Midem in the south of France and Nice in 71, 72, that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, lots and lots of stuff that um, if I could get hold of um, those negatives, um, I'd make a fair bit of money now. Yeah, I'm sure. And you deserve it. You were there at the, for, because, you know, people wanted you there and you were taking pictures in the same way as Ed would be. You know, there, there's no difference, is there? No, except that Ed was a professional photographer yes. and I'm more of a graphic designer yes, who so dabbled not, in photography. Yes. Did you go out with 
Elton when he toured in the UK in this before uh, I know it feels like we're getting stuck here but this is my era so this is where I'm gonna lodge my mind it, like in the summer of 1970 Crumlin you didn't go to Crumlin did you I didn't go to Crumlin good no, for but you I'd go to, uh, <laughs> uh, odd gigs um, that he was doing around mostly clubs and yeah. uh, stuff in in and around London did he ever play alongside Nick Drake I've heard someone suggest that he did once. Quite possibly, but it's not something that um, I went to. Okay. Do you do you remember any particular gigs? Do you remember yeah, any supporter it, acts or anything uh, like that? Yes. Um, uh, after the Elton at the Troubadour thing, mm -hmm. there were a few odd gigs that I went to. Obviously, he was becoming quite well known then. So there was one where. Um, Steve couldn't go along to um, a Bristol Colston Hall gig, so uh, I was Elton's minder that particular day. <laughs> um, and then there was also a gig at the Roundhouse, and it was the Who. Yes, the Who show around Christmas time, wasn't it? Yeah, so hanging out with uh, people like Pete Townsend etc backstage was a pleasure it was very much happening at that time wasn't it for Alton? he was the, the the big thing yes he must have been very excited he was yeah yeah you were part of that party bob stacy ray steve and you that went over to the states and of course it was it was well it was all those gambling imagery it was make or break last throw of the dice was there a feel of it being like do or die for elton uh, there may have been for, uh, say, Elton, Bernie, the musicians, Steve and Ray, mm. uh, and perhaps Bob Stacy. But for me, um, I, I went along, having just completed before then the artwork for Tumbleweed Connection, mm -hmm. um, I got paid and I said, hey, I'll pay my own way. I'm coming along for for the um for the gigs um so i i don't know what the um what uh, whether dick james and stephen james had said to them hey this is the last throw of the dice mm. uh, I, I wasn't aware of any of that office um politic kind of thing for me i was just there for a good time and the opportunity to uh, take some photos there's an interview with ray where he said that the reason Elton didn't go out to Palm Springs, which is um, you'd already met Janice, your first wife, uh, just a little bit before that, hadn't you? Around about the ho around the hotel, is that right? Uh, day before, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then you all went down to Palm Springs, and Elton had a bit of a huff and refused to go. And Ray said a really interesting thing in an interview, and I'm trying to pin Ray down for an interview. He's agreed to do it, but it's not happened as yet. Um, but he said an interesting thing that the reason Elton didn't go was because of his burgeoning sexuality. Now, let me make this clear. I, I'm not a salacious person. I'm not always trying to look for the dirt on. That's obviously not what I'm about. But I find this comment really fascinating because he could have just got up and gone. Why would it have been about being gay? Uh, I don't. I, uh, I doubt that. I think Ray was barking up the wrong tree there, personally. Yes. Because uh, Elton at that stage was not someone who was um, 
Yeah, I'm sure in his uh, mind he was... um, uh... Do you think he was against people getting girlfriends, which you guys clearly were at the time? There wasn't a bitterness about that or anything? No, no, no. I think it was... uh, He was... uh, I think they did. What I remember is that he was asked if he wanted to go along and he said no. And then when we'd gone and spent the day out there and then come back again, he was pretty pissed off that he hadn't been included. And I think it was just his own decision not to go originally. <laughs> it's one of those ha- having so your cake those... and eating it things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so afterwards yeah. he felt he'd missed out on something, so he okay. took it out on Ray. Very sad. It's a really sad uh, outcome for Ray, and it just doesn't look good for on Elton, the way that that was handled, one way or another. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of those um, definite tantrum moments <laughs> yeah and he does get over those fairly quick did he ever do did you ever have any tantrums like that playing tennis in 1969 um no no <laughs> I, i've never had any problems with him myself <laughs> and if ever that. if ever i saw a tantrum coming i need to scarper out the door fairly quickly <laughs> <laughs> so you you've, you've said you were already you'd already you turned tumbleweed connection in at that stage which means it was pretty much recorded because you'll have done all of the design for what was inside as well yeah it was recorded and um because of release dates and all that kind of thing uh, yes i had to finish all the artwork mm. um uh, it's, that was all it's an up. amazing package. I've heard, I, in an interview in about March 1970, Elton said, we're releasing this album, which is the Elton John album, with a freaky orchestra, is how he describes it. And then he goes on to say that the next album is going to be a double album with band songs and folk songs on it. Well, obviously, he's talking about Tumbleweed. Did you ever hear any conversation about it being a double? No, no you never no, heard that. I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> it's a great album. You've got that. It, it, it's, it's, it's likely, so when it was prepared, no one had been to America. Your imagery that you... It was Ian Digby Ovens that took the photo itself, isn't it, down on the... On the railway yes. in Sussex, the Bluebell Railway in Sussex. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you look closely, there's you can see the adverts for the Daily Telegraph and Cadbury's oh, yeah, and things but, like uh, that. We weren't we weren't um, going to hide or retouch any of that to make it Americana. Yes. Um, just it was more the sepia thing making it evocative of that kind of railway. Yeah. Um, Bernie, as you know, has made no secret of the fact that. Uh, he w- grew up with a fantasy of Wild West, etc., etc. Yeah, so some of Bernie's details are a bit wrong, like the hedgehog, for example. There's no, uh, I don't think they call them them hedgehogs in America, do they? No, 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 no. But again, he wasn't hiding his uh, Lincolnshire roots. Yeah, but it is so lavish that package. It's got a twelve-page glued-in inlay for the lyrics and the and the photographs that and. Uh, Imagery was that mostly your drawings, or did you, or were they find found materials? Some of them found material, um, copyright free uh, imagery. A lot of them, yes. Um, a few odds and ends that I came up with, but um, uh, no, it was a pleasure to work on that particular packaging because again, um, but uh, Steve Brown fought for the idea of a gatefold. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think that's what um, 
Elton was referring to a double. Maybe ah. he's to, uh, talking ah. about it in a gatefold. Yes. With the booklet, but uh, again, um, none of these impacted on the price, did they? They were all released at the same single album price. Uh, our pricing was uh, not something I was included in on. Not even for Captain Fantastic, because that one did come out as a double, didn't it? Yeah, but all that uh, to an art director, I mean, he pays no attention to what the record company is just working with the artist. uh, Yeah, who's commissioning it and doing what they're asking for. Yeah. The the next one was Madman, and it is one of the strongest ones because, oh, it's I love the eggshell blue inside. I love the small inlay, the way it's where it's pasted in. The image on the cover, which is the embroidery, I think that ended up on a cushion in uh, Elton's house, didn't it, in the end? I had this conversation the other day. Um, The embroidery was done by my first wife, Janice, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we gifted that uh, front cover embroidery to Elton, and then we did see it as a cushion, but then... um, he may have had a copy made because I heard um, some months ago that he said, I have still got the original. Oh. So well, maybe the copy ended up as a cushion. And I think Gus Dudgeon bought it in that auction of Elton's. Uh, oh, in 88? Yeah, probably. Paraphernalia. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I think there was always a part of me that was slightly disappointed that the actual. Don't don't blame me for being. I was a young, naive child. I just thought, why can't the whole album actually be embroidered? I wanted an embroidered album. (laughs) Yes, Um, I I believe um, Paul McCartney's first first solo album. um, He had put the photo down, and then he scattered um, glitter all over it, and then when he saw it he said to the album cover designer well why isn't it glittery like the glitter i threw on it (laughs) okay that's pretty naive (laughs) on his part yes (laughs) where did the title madman i've heard it mentioned that it was in a review of the troubadour gigs the madman across the water title i think you'd have to you're not sure You'd have to ask Bernie where it came from. But it was all, it was held over from the Tumbleweed era, wasn't it? It had been recorded around about Tumbleweed, that song, yes, originally. I think you might be right there. And uh, it, it was probably fairly early on that it became mooted as the album title. Uh, that's right, yes. And uh, having then done a couple of two or three quick trips to California... Mm. Um, Because I went over for, like, say, the beginning of, was it the first tour or the second tour? And in that era, it was very, um, in Los Angeles, Bernie Taupin and I would go out shopping to shops where they sell secondhand uh, faded jeans. So it's all that blue jean baby, uh, faded jeans, patches, embroidered jeans, embroidered jackets and all that kind of thing. And that's kind of what Bernie and I were wearing. Uh, occasionally you've seen Elton in embroidered jeans, that yes. kind of thing. So that was the inspiration. 
Just to, yeah, that. it's like putting yourselves on the sleeve. Double denim. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, can I get into something faint, faintly contentious for a moment? You can just Go turn on, me man. straight down if you like. Bernie's and I, and you know, oh, I could I, I don't want to get into Bernie's private life at all. But Bernie has said that the song "Tiny Dancer" wasn't about Maxine. Well, I'll. Uh, I will refute that. Yes. And I would say that to Bernie's face. I would say, Bernie, stop trying to change history. I don't see what Just the point because, is. What's the point uh, in well, doing that? Well, he refers now to Maxine as she who should not be named. Does he? Okay. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's no love lost there. No. And I think the process of... Uh, he will say that it was dedicated to her, but... Um, but whether it, yes, there's yes, diff there's a, a difference. A few years yeah. ago, actually, um, uh, argued this point with him, and he said, uh, "No, no, it it wasn't about her. It was just dedicated to her." And I said, "Well, then for the next three or four years after that, every evening when Elton announced, and here's a song about Bernie's wife. <laughs> That's when you should have told Elton. Yeah, that was, that's the time to put your hand up and say, well, hang on a minute. I, 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 this is my artistic license. It's about any particular LA lady. Yeah, so <laughs> I, personally, I can say this truthfully. I think he's trying to change history and uh, uh, he's now been saying it so much over the last few years. It's almost, I think he's got to the stage where he actually believes that. Yes. It must have been a really special song for you and your first wife as well, in a way. Uh, to a certain extent, really. Um, but it, I mean, we knew it was about Maxine. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, but what a moment to capture. Indeed. Yeah, that was quite an era, actually. It was uh, quite exciting, all that uh, early 70s time. I love the way you depict yourself inside. In fact, I love all of that totally bananas Victoriana in the in the middle of uh, Mad Men. Um, but you, you're the uh, ba the nude baby sat on a, on a massive broken egg. That's so funny. I love yeah, that. Yeah, these... Um, I'd go to Portobello Market in London on Saturday mornings where there's a lot of antique stores and I liked to collect Victorian photographs and stuff like that. So it's just a, a matter of um, trying to make use of some of my collection yes. and uh, apply it to the... Um, to the packaging. Did Steve Brown like to be... Uh, did he like his depiction as a policeman, comedy policeman? He, he didn't object to it, and Steve was very much... He was one of those that I was telling you about. He could tell Elton and Bernie that, you know, uh, don't do this, do this. You know, he's someone whose word was respected. So if Steve didn't like it, he would say so. That's what Elton uh, and Bernie uh, respected him for. Yes. Did you, going back very... Briefly, did you go to the Isle of Wight Festival in 69? I did, but not with them. Oh. So uh, I went with my brother. as a, um, So I was there, but then so were many thousands of others. Yes. I think I only learned that they were there at the same time uh, once I got into the office the, the next week. Apparently the sound was a bit diabolical out there. 
it's possible, but then it's also possible that many of us had had perhaps a cider too many that day. <laughs> yes, you're missing all the things you're supposed to say. Yeah, I was there. I don't quite remember the details. Well, the, uh, the, it, the whole atmosphere is what it was all about, really. It was the crack of the thing yeah. as opposed to... Uh, uh, the sound might have been swirling around too in the wind a bit, but in <laughs> the early days of those big festivals, they hadn't quite uh, mastered the... Uh, sound systems. No, they they grew very big, didn't they? But they didn't. I don't think the speakers really existed in the way that they do these uh, days. Not a, no. Um, I mean, it's all state of the art these days. So mm. you 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 used or at this point for Honky Chateau, it says sleeve design and inner sleeve photography by Mike Ross, with thanks to David Larkham. You had a bit of a less of a hand in Honky Chateau. Yes. Um, Mike and I were at art school together, and mm. um, uh, we're still friends too. Um, and Mike um, followed me into the newspaper graphics business, and then when I moved to the States from DJM Records, he became DJM art director. Uh, so he was the man on the ground, essentially. Uh, in London, yes. Now, what we did, Ed Carroff and I, in um, Los Angeles, I came up with you. I you have to remember the original first release of the Honky Chateau packaging, which had an extra flap at the right hand edge yeah. of the front, yeah. and it tucked around like an envelope. It had a flap over the top. Yeah, it was Steve Brown and Mike Ross that turned it around. So I sent a mock up. Uh, of a rough idea. Was, I don't think it had a title at the time. And it had a one of Ed's photographs. Yeah, but it wasn't that from the Troubadour. Uh, yeah, around that about era, that time, yeah. 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 Uh, and Ed printed it onto a canvas type of paper. Yes. Uh, I stuck, I cut out the canvas paper. And then pasted it, it on. A bit, of, yeah. a bit of cardboard, which had a flap that went over to the back, like a um, envelope and tucked in. So my contribution was the cardboard idea, having a flap, mm. and also uh, perhaps featuring that photograph um, with a canvas finish. Have you seen the reissues of your sleeves? Have you? Have, has anyone sent you any of them? Um, not have... in recent years, no. Because there's been a reissue campaign um, on vinyl over the last two years or so, and yeah. your work is heavily featured. Um, and I was so heavily disappointed in the Honky Chateau one because it's, it doesn't have the pasted photograph and it doesn't have the buckle, um, right. which I was so sad about. But I can confirm, if you want to pick one up that you want to just revel in, the... The Madman Across the Water one is absolutely beautiful and unrecognisable from the, the original, in a good way. It's exactly the same, and it's well, so good. wonderful. Um, what I can do is I, I still keep in contact with the office there. And, uh, yes, I, I guess if I contacted... Oh, I bet um, they would. <laughs> oh, sure yeah, they, they, would. they would, yes. I mean, uh, uh, there are people there... Uh, who do remember me from those early days, although mostly these days it's younger management. Yeah, it's moved on. But I think they, 
<sighs> well, I, I think there could be a little bit more respect shown for the for the past and the way they handle it. But I think this reissue campaign shows that they are willing and that they're trying to yes. do the do some to to pay the right level of respect to the material that as it came out back in the day. But I do get, I do get, yeah. I'll have get a look onto at, the phone. I would. I'd get on no, the phone to them right now. You, yeah, do it, <laughs> do it. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go through a couple of other bits. Obviously, we've got. I'm not gonna talk in length about Goodbye Elaborate Road because you've done all of that in talking to. I know I've missed out. Don't shoot me. Um, you've done all of that talking to the guys from uh, what's it? What are the what are the, the album cover Hall of Fame? That's it. The album cover Hall of Fame, and there's so much detail there. Did you ever actually watch the band record at the sh at the Chateau for any of those three albums? There, you never went down, did you? You were always in LA, Los Angeles based. Yeah. Um, Mike Ross, being London based, uh, did go over to. To France mm. for uh, the Honky Chateau um, kind of that era. Yes. Um, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. I think I went into in that interview you mentioned. Yes. Uh, it was going to be recorded in Kingston, Jamaica. Yeah, you went to Jamaica and hung around with with the rest of them. Yes, and um, that's where I got all the lyrics and heard. Elton played me all the songs and that kind of thing. Yeah. So the album had no title at that stage. Uh, what a wonderful... Uh, that must have been wonderful to have a little um, solo. A for me, yes. only, yes. How amazing was that? <laughs> Moderately amazing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there weren't any recordings taken there. Like, he could have put together some demos. If someone had just stuck a tape recorder on, we'd have some little early piano demos, but things like that didn't happen. It was all in Elton's head, wasn't it? Um, it was at the time, yes. Yeah. I think the um, the studio lacked technical things, so mm. Gus was reluctant to do anything, really. Yeah, it does sound like a frustrating time. Did you enjoy it out there? You, you've said that basically everyone kept themselves to themselves during the day, so there wasn't a lot yes. going on. And then we all uh, grouped together for a uh, um, a group dinner yeah. on the uh, veranda in the evenings. There was a period when uh, you were considering using fine art. I've seen the picture of that, a portrait of Elton on the cover. Brian Organ, Brian Organ. Brian Organ, yes. In fact, uh, there was probably a painting that Elton commissioned. Mm. And I, it was probably Elton saying, I'd like to use this for the album cover. And then Steve Brown saying, no, you can't. It's totally inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so then Steve I'm gets the final word. But yeah. I think I think that's what happened. There were there were a couple of other suggested titles. One was Vodka and Tonics, and another one was I think something along the line of Talking Movies, Moving Pictures. I wonder if you were ever given either of those to come up no, to brainstorm no, ideas no. for. You you didn't no, get those. I mean those were those were London discussions. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mike Ross and I were in Los Angeles doing all the drawings for the uh, triple panel centre spread. Is there another album that's on a triple panel centre spread? Uh, something what else do that you mean you... by another artist? Yeah, another artist. It, we... It's entirely possible, but... You weren't aware uh, of one either. I was unaware of it. It was and, quite a novel uh, thing. It, it was, and again, it would have been Steve Brown 
fighting for, hey, let's do something really different. Yes. Why not make it three panels instead of a gatefold? Yeah. And uh, I mean, just the lavishness of all of these productions. Don't don't shoot me as another extremely lavish one where you've taken the the title and it sent you thinking of Truffaut, didn't it? It did. Yes. You're a fan of that new wave. Oh, exactly. Um, and in fact, uh, even uh, say a year ago, I went back to um, National Film Theatre. We're doing a series on uh, Jean-Luc Godard, mm -hmm. who is one of my heroes um, from that new wave uh, era in France. So yes, um, Don't Shoot Me immediately suggested that... Um, don't shoot the piano player. Hence the cinema exterior, yes. which we set up in um, Universal's uh, film lot. And you had to design the ephemera to go on there as well, like the poster and so on. Yeah, that's uh, I hand painted that poster that's in the foyer part there. So mostly the exterior part was Ed Carraf and myself. Um, being MCA Records as Universal, it was easy enough to get cooperation to do it on their film studio lot. Yes, you didn't have to pay um, a massive rent then, for that. And um, then Mike Ross, when he went back to London, uh, did most of the booklet interior. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love the pictures on the booklet as well. That that picture of Elton covering his face is so iconic. It, yeah, it's just it's perfect. Yes. Yes, it's wonderful. Um, Mike is a wonderful designer with. A great creative mind. <laughs> so it must be nice to be able to hand some of these jobs over to people that you really trusted. We were a great team. Yeah. We, uh, in fact, we've been working together last year on some of the stuff we did in the 1980s. Like, say, we did a billboard on Sunset Boulevard for Elton at the Hollywood Bowl. Ah, and yes. We had to recreate all that artwork, which I imagine is for merchandise during his uh, farewell yellow brick road yes. tour, world tour yes indeed there was another massive billboard that i've seen reproduced recently um advertising caribou with just the most enormous image of elton um in the caribou get up uh yes that was one of mine yeah that was yours as well how weird is it to see your stuff blown up 300 times life-size um moderately weird <laughs> but then it was all part part and parcel of the experience yeah. yes you'd go along to the billboard once it was up and have your photograph taken on the sidewalk yes. in front of it caribou's much more basic package it's it's not gatefold although it does obviously have a uh full color uh, record sleeve inside doesn't it yeah. but it, it's a bit more back to basics if you know what i mean was that always going to be to to use a strong ed photo on the cover was that was there ever ever going to be more of a concept we knew the packaging was going to be simpler mm. um because you know we'd had a lot of um been given a lot of leeway with extravagance yes. and packaging so it's going to be a simple one uh, there wasn't a title, though it was me who wanted the title Caribou, and I painted that backdrop yes. um, ba based on the style of uh, an American artist, Maxfield Paris. Oh, okay. Um, it being mountains and trees and lakes, um, 
Is that what it? Did you ever go out to Caribou? Oh, many, many times, yes. yes. And in fact, uh, is it Caribou? No, it's Elton's first greatest hits, if you remember, mm. with a Terry O'Neill shot of him. That classic image. Yes, and the inner sleeve of that has the credits and then photographs by me, a couple of Bernie and a couple of the band, all in Caribou. Ah, okay. With a, a horse and the band in the fir trees and mountain streams setting. So, yeah, I'd go to Caribou quite a lot. There was It was thin air up there, wasn't it? Yeah, you noticed it if you wanted to run around a bit. Yeah. You were soon panting. In fact, they provided oxygen tanks in the recording studios in case anyone wanted to, um, you know, take oh, big wow. breaths. I think there was more of an affectation on the part of the, uh, <laughs> the studio <host>. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's time to talk about Captain Fantastic, I think, which it, it took a long time to come out, didn't it? It was recorded in summer of 74. And That's I think right, it was yeah. almost a year before it actually hit the shelves. When, when do you reckon you... Were you working on the package way after the point it was recorded then? Or was there, was there ever lots of sort of deadlines that came and went in that time? Or did you always know that you, you had a fairly long lead time on it? Um, I think we always kind of knew a longish lead time. Mm. Um, we discussed various things. I think Elton and Bernie were in Chicago on tour and I flew to Chicago for initial discussions. And then I think came the germ of an idea of involving Alan Aldridge. So mm. that was organised with Bernie and John Reed in London. But Bernie and I worked very closely together on... Uh, all the rest of it, uh, the memorabilia, the mm. booklets, and all that kind of thing. Yes, what a package it is! It is. I can imagine it building, and then in the end, you just say, "Oh, can we put a poster in there as well?" Just to, you know, just for the hell of it. Just yeah. for the hell of it. The final insult for the record company. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, yes, exactly. Did Bernie work with Alan to get the imagery that he wanted on the cover as well? I, you'd have to ask Bernie that. Unfortunately, Alan isn't with us anymore. He and I became great pals because he moved over to Los Angeles. So we'd go out and play pool quite a lot and that kind of thing. He released, a, there's a book of his that I, I've read and um, he talks about the post uh, Captain Fantastic period where he was he was put on a retainer I think with maybe Rocket not sure and uh, they were going to be coming out with the cartoon. That's right. Yeah, the uh, there was a test of a animated uh, Captain Fantastic um, about say three or four minutes worth of animated movie mm. um, and we did um, we did try it out and go. Uh, show it in a little um, studio cinema. It was uh, to me, it was very impressive. But I think uh, I do remember that Jackson Brown came along with his uh, young son, and yes. uh, dur during the showing, the his young son ran out of the room crying. Oh! And uh, and Jackson said, 
Well, there's your review. Oh, oh dear. No, I'm sure that's not how a, a no, questionnaire no, should be done. <laughs> I, I think um, budgetary constraints yes. and, I think... and the time that would have been involved in, um, yeah. in pre-digital animation. Yes, especially not being part of a studio that's doing that has the experience of doing that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's very difficult to replicate that process. So, um, did you suggest Alan? Was that someone else? Do you think? Uh, I think there's a meeting of minds. That could be um, an Elton, Bernie, John Reed, myself. One can't remember all the details of these conversations that went on in, say, yeah. Chicago or whatever. So I yeah. think the motivating Bernie was the main motivator of what is basically an autobiographical exactly. album. So it was more likely to be Bernie and John Reed in that instance in London. Um, it was a wonderful moment that they that they got all of that ephemera together for the scraps book, Elton's yes. diary. Um, but did, were you involved in scanning the diary, for example? Absolutely, yes. So you've seen all the other pages that couldn't be included because they were too dull. <laughs> they were absolutely too dull, yes. I love that the, the day that uh, Lady Samantha came, came out, he, he watched two films, one which was good and Lady in Cement, lousy. <laughs> I love that. So, so much prosaic detail there. Yes, exactly. Um... He gets duffed up in one of them. Yeah, that's it, yeah. No, we chose um, a, a sort of chronological... Uh, Bernie and I put together that whole centre spread photograph... Yes. ...of all the bits of memorabilia, photographs, sheet music, uh, Elton's old passport, club membership... Um, fish and chips. Bottles, yeah, fish and chips, uh, which we got um, in Santa Monica. How? <laughs> that must have been an effort... No, no, at uh, ye old uh, King's Head, in, which is a pub in um, Santa Monica, a pub and a fish and chip shop. Is that run? Is that run by a Brit? Uh, very, very Brits, and also all the uh, like uh, air crews from Virgin Airways, British Airways, they all stay in Santa Monica post fright. <laughs> so you'll find, you know, it's the whole uh, British beer dartboards. All oh, right, so this is where you go. Have they got a uh, uh, have they got a bar billiards table? I don't feel I'm at home unless uh, there's a bar I, billiards I, table. Personally, I, I didn't see one last time I was there. Put it that way. But <laughs> certainly darts. Yeah. Was there, were there any concerns about the uh, the naked lady, the bird lady on the rear of the cover? Did anyone from the record label give that a glaring eye, a BDI? Uh, no one ever said anything about it to me. I'm sure it made a few uh, American record companies. Yeah, I wonder if some um, labels were carefully positioned. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you did. You commissioned from Alan imagery for Dogs in the Kitchen alongside all of the other. Were they, were they all Alan? They weren't, were they? Some of them had Alan's drawings, and some had some other photographs. In some cases, didn't they? I'm working from memory um, now. Yes. Uh, any drawings were Alan's. Yes. Dogs in the Kitchen was one of them. Was that ever a song? Was that always a bit of a, uh, a left field, skewy thing to mess with people's minds? It was one of uh, Bernie's lyrics yes. for possible inclusion, but I think um, obviously it fell 
by the wayside and um, wasn't included, mm. possibly because of the limits of the number of songs you could yeah. push on. It's, 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 it's a long record in itself, isn't it? It's one, it's one of the longer ones from that, longer sides from that era, I believe. You're probably right. Yeah, I think it's, it's hedging towards 45 minutes, the whole thing. And then we go on to Rock of the Westies, which is another Caribou recording, a real Back to Basics cover, um, a, another simple inlay, a fairly in, simple inlay card. Terry O'Neill took this one, didn't he? He did, yeah. And uh, uh, that's another instance where I was there at Caribou behind mm. Terry's shoulder saying, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. There's another classic picture from that um, role where, I think it's from there, where a little bird comes down and drinks from Elton's cup. Or is it a cat? Is it a cat? Yes, you're right. I think you might be right. Yes, yes, you're right. I think it was one of the cats hopped up on the table and yeah. started to help himself to... Uh... Elton's milk and Weetabix or whatever. <laughs> I, lo- uh, I, I, I love that image. It's a, it's a, a good, strong image. I, w- I would have gone with that personally. But, um, I'm not, I mean, I find these close-up pictures of Elton's face a little bit dis- disturbing at times. I'd, I'd rather something more abstract personally, but I know that c- pictures of artists sell records, don't they? Well, yes, and uh, Elton, if you know of him, is someone who hates having his photograph taken anyway. Yes. I'm one of those people as well. I'm exactly the same. I know where he's coming from. But then again, I'm not a, uh, a multi-million selling record recording artist. Yes. It's a bit of a problem for him. It's not so much of an issue for me. I'll just say, no, I'd rather not. He, he doesn't get that option, does he? <laughs> <laughs> you and I can say no publicity. <laughs> no publicity. <laughs> but he, is there, is there a general equation that... that, that Artists' pictures on on the sleeves tend to sell more records. Is that a ten, is that generally the case? Um, do you know? It's possible. I I don't know. Uh, there's probably been research on it. Mm. Um, I would think it makes logical sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, were, were you involved in Blue Moves? Um, not really, other than production side. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, David Costa who used to assist um, myself and Mike Ross at different stages. He was known as the the, the typesetting man around the Goodbye Elibrit Road era, I believe. I think he, he was involved in fonts and stuff. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, I had I had left the centre spread. Uh, design for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the triple panel thing, uh, with uh, trace layouts of where the songs should go. Mm. But then I had to rush back from London to Los Angeles. So the rest was left with uh, Steve Brown and for David Costa to uh, do the typeset uh, titles for the songs and so on. And he ended up working with um, Queen, didn't he? Uh, quite probably, yeah. yes. Queen, uh, David uh, went on to become a, a star in his own right. Yes. Working with uh, George Harrison and the Travelling Wilburys and all that kind of crowd. Yeah, so you, you, you supported another star, a st- was he? Yes. 
And he ended up being, he, so yeah, he worked with Elton quite extensively because he own, he owns, he invented Wherefore Art, didn't he? That's his company. That's Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's his company. Yeah. He's retired now, though. Oh, is he? What, what's what, David? What's your favourite? Do you have a favourite child? Do you have a favourite of all the sleeves that you're involved in? Are you, do you feel you're allowed to say that? It depends on the era, really. It used to be tumbleweed mm. was a favourite. Then I think goodbye yellow brick road. Then I think Captain Fantastic. But then you look back and you think everything was right for the time, and a, a good job was done on like to think good job was done, fitted uh, fitted the slot for each particular album. Yeah, you did You did each of them justice along with the team. You did your role. It was a good, yes, it was a good uh, good team. What, was there a sleeve idea that never came to be ever? Do you remember anything that was like, yes, we're going to do it like this, and then for, for one reason or another, because the title changed or the scope changed? Yeah, uh, Caribou, I think the inner sleeve, yeah, um, just working off memory here, mm. um, that one side had a big black and white photograph of Elton. Yes, with, um, with his signature. Ed, uh, and um, Ed Cariff and I tinted the lenses to the pink yes. of his actual spectacles. And when Elton saw that, rather than Caribou, he wanted to call the album Old Pink Eyes is back. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where that came from, is it? Yes, and again, uh, I think he was voted down on that one. He's used it here and there, hasn't he? And I think there's a, a few bootlegs with that title. Probably, yeah. yes. Um, so that's why that shot became the inner sleeve. I, I, like I've said to you, I love these objects. I've got a pile of them next to me here because I've been looking through them all morning. They, they just, without... Without it's just an instantaneous thought. The second I see Madman, all of the contents of it just become alive in in my head, and it's the same for all of these records, in a way. And and I don't want to be one of those anti modern day people, but in a way that it isn't the case for CDs, and it definitely isn't the case for recording MP3s. I mean, I don't want to be that old man that just complains, but it it feels like something's gone. And and nor do I, but I, th I treasure that era when 12-inch uh, vinyl sleeves ruled the world. Yeah. It, it felt you had so much more space to be uh, creative and make an impact with. But uh, obviously when CD era came in, it's a new challenge to do an impactful image, but in a more confined space. Yes. Yeah, it's a different task it's it's still an artistic endeavor isn't it but it's not it's not quite as it's like working in min, in miniature rather than doing the system well not exactly the sistine chapel but you know what i mean yes exactly i know exactly what you mean it's a different job did you did you get involved in transferring uh, any of the designs over in to cassette or cd in those different releases um, over the I years did, they did a uh repackage of goodbye yellow brick road yeah i think it was called the mm. 30th anniversary yes. deluxe edition so you you were you helped them tra transfer that into the booklet format yes exactly yeah. I, in fact i uh was in charge of all the packaging there no way. i think uh M mca records universal in the states the art director there wanted to do the repackaging and then uh 
um, Elton said, no, I want David Larkham. So that was that. That's nice of him. Just something about the troubadour. Do you have any... I mean, we're going back nearly 50 years, but do you... Do you, do you can you feel any of the energy of that room? Do you remember what that was like? And were you surprised about how it happened and how he was taken? Um, to the, I became more of a, aware of it the next day after the opening night, mm. um, and I was asked a, a similar question recently, and the answer is the same. When you're taking photographs live, you're attention is a hundred percent on the taking of photographs and uh, the but, performers uh, yes the visual aspect of it but i must say on that particular night i could also feel uh the intense um reaction from the crowd to the extent that um only 95 percent of my attention was on taking photographs and I became increasingly aware of how um, gobsmacked and how uh, surprised in a pleasant way the crowd were and it got more and more exciting to the uh, extent that you could almost feel the hairs raise up on the on the back of your neck kind of excitement yeah. and you could feel Elton, Elton responding to what was going on in the room as well exactly yes but at that stage, I then had to sort of um, give myself a virtual smack and say, concentrate on the photographs. <laughs> Are you still painting these days? That's what you That's what you'll spend most of your time doing. Uh, I do, yes. Some you, of it for portraits. my own interest and uh, commission portraits. Mm -hmm. um, I do illustration. I have an agent who I do illustrations. Um, I still would do the odd album cover or CD cover, if you ask me nicely. Um, but uh, and I, I, it was nice um, last year for both Mike Ross and myself to be involved in um, refurbishing a lot of the 70s imagery uh, for um, the so they, yeah, upcoming so... uh, world tour for merchandise and uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, that, that must be thing. nice to still be involved. I'm glad to hear that you're still being remembered by it. Elton's managerial team. Yes, I'm glad too. Yeah, I'm very. <laughs> um, thank you. I'm going to say I'm going to draw it to a close and say thank you very much, David, for for speaking to me. Thank you. It it, it hasn't been a burden. Oh. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and you've asked some very nice and uh, uh, very interesting questions. Oh yeah. So uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the chat. Thank you very much. So. There's the interview. What a set of experiences David has had with Elton, with Bernie and the other members of the team going back over the years. Thank you to him for sharing them and for doing so so generously with the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, you now have my permission to go and get your copies of these classic era records out and spin them on the turntable and give the sleeves the extra special bit of attention they deserve. If you've got any comments, if you've got questions, ideas, please drop me a line on eltonpodcast at gmail.com or you can come via the Facebook group. Please take some time out to do me a review on iTunes or wherever you 
might think of doing a review, that sort of thing is really helpful. It helps the podcast to find its listeners. Uh, For once, I'm not going to leave you with a track, just a pointer to head over to the Elton John channel on YouTube. They've just uploaded in the last couple of days a video of Elton, Dee and Nigel playing Madman Across the Water on BBC TV in 1971. Sounds great. The video's crystal clear. I'd like to say that it bodes well um, that they're remembering things like this on the official channel. Um, Maybe if it gets enough listens, they might put some more stuff like this out. You never know. Have a listen and uh, thumb it up. Do whatever you need to do to get their attention. Hopefully they'll do some more things like this. Thanks. Bye.